With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello folks, my name's David Edgar, I'm the host of Heart and Hand Rangers podcast and thank you very much for joining us. Now, as regular listeners will know, what we normally do on Heart and Hand is of course go over the last match Rangers played and analyse it in forensic detail and see what the implications are for the rest of the campaign. But of course, there are no fixtures at the moment because we are slap bang in the middle of the winter break. Rangers will be playing soon, they're over in the US at the moment preparing to play a couple of friendlies as part of the Florida Cup tournament and we will have all the info on that as it happens. But as it gave us a little bit of a quiet uh, a quiet week this week, we decided that we would call up friend of the show, Kevin Thompson, and get uh, his thoughts on what's been happening at Rangers uh, over the last couple of months. Now, you, you may have heard Kev's interview with us previously this season, in which we talked more about his career and whatnot. It's in the archives. It's a great listen. I, I highly recommend it if anyone hasn't listened to it. But, uh, of course, over the last year, Kev has uh, started to carve out a career for himself, both as one of the very few in intelligent and erudite pundits in Scottish football and also as a coach uh, with, with his uh, Kevin Thompson Academy concentrating on coaching youth across Scotland. He's always a fantastic listen and uh, it gives me an excuse to phone him up because I'm a total KT fanboy. I enjoyed talking to him, I think you'll enjoy listening to him. So here's Kevin Thompson. Joining me today is a friend of the show and all-round good guy, uh, now, of course, leading pundit with BT Sports and uh, Rangers TV, Kevin Thompson. Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be on as, as usual. Uh, it's always good to have you on. Now, first thing I want to get your reaction to, um, because you're, you're one of the few guys that uh, Rangers fans actually like to hear do this sort of thing. <laughs> is to... I don't know about leading pundit there when you said that. 
Oh, yeah, they're the only one we count. Um, the rest of them we... The rest it's of the only one with a good opinion. Uh, the rest of them we don't like. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to ask Chris Sutton on here. <laughs> <laughs> that would go well. I know, no one less I've, I've, I've dug a hole and covered it with branches. See that, that 150,000 viewers you would have? I don't know if it would be that. Uh, seven, um, and, and people sending things to my house. No, uh, I, I know where my bed's buttered, but... Um, the Rangers, of course, went to Parkhead, and... I don't think a lot of people were giving them uh, uh, a big chance and I said in the show last week I'll describe it to you but we described it to the punters my emotions Kev went before the game just don't get humiliated at half time it went we'll take a draw and then by the end I was like we should have won that it was probably the same to be honest when I was sitting watching it, it was probably best, that's probably the best way to describe it my opinion would be that that mindset that you had is, is a mindset that the players can't have they can't have any thought of going to Parkhead and, and thinking that let's just not get trounced today, let's let's play for a draw. That when you play for Rangers, you have to go there believing that you can win. And and until that changes, and and to be fair, some of the games that I've seen live on the telly and some of the games that I've covered, um, albeit we've always touched on inconsistency. I think it's something that that is apparent for everybody to see. But the good thing, in my opinion, is that that second half performance, that performance that they got after Celtic. They made it a bit scrappy. They won second balls. They they rolled their sleeves up. They started to believe. Candia's chasing all the way down to the corner. I've seen the opposite at Easter Road. Aye. Um, so what Candia's done in old form is something that, like, not just singling him out personally, but it's in a lot of the Rangers players' makeup that that performance in the second half, Tavernier, best player in the park by a country mile, he has to produce that week in, week out. Yeah, I watched him against Kilmarnock, and every boy Jordan Jones gave him a real hard time. So... In my opinion, the belief, the 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 mannerism, each individual has to be that they can believe that they can go to Celtic Park and put on that performance week in week out. And in my opinion, if they can find that within their belly, then the Rangers team will have have big leaps in size to to make in inroads to being a proper Rangers team. What's it like for young boys going into a game? I know you're a big fan of Ross McCrory and the Rangers fans that I've spoken to and myself, obviously. I mean, we were over the moon at his performance because. He seemed to want to tackle everybody wearing a green and white top in that stadium on the day. <laughs> so that felt a bit like me. That did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look at that. I'm a big, big fan of him, and uh, I, I touched a wee bit on uh, on BT when I when I done my first call comms for them against Kilmarnock, and and I felt that him and Jason Holt was a two playing against a three at Kilmarnock was a new experience for them. It was a difficult experience for them playing against the boy Malumbo, who was a really good player. He played really well on the day, and these are challenges that are going to face Ross. You know, going to places like like Celtic Park and playing against Scotty and playing against these players that look Scotty's there to be shot at. All the best players are when I come through. I played against Barry Ferguson and I wanted to try and beat him. I wanted to try and get on top of him when I played with him. I had that most respect for him. But you know, Ross is a young boy that no matter who he plays against, he has to have that belief that he's better than them. He can compete with them, and and so far so good. As a young young boy being able to demand respect in the middle of the pitch especially coming through as a centre-back, I think it's a great attitude and a great a great appreciation of the game for such a young boy. And, and if he keeps on getting better and he keeps on working hard, then then in my opinion, he can be what he wants to be. What do you think is his best position from what you've seen? I think in time, look, he's going to be a centre-back. I think I think the fact that he's, he's, um, he's, he's, he can play either side. I think he can play left and he can play right. I think he's very comfortable going both, both ways. I know when he plays centre, people will just think, oh, but he's centre mid and he's sitting in behind. But see, being a sitting centre midfield player, see, the one thing I never really enjoyed was going over and helping the right back. Yet, see, helping Sasha Papac was really natural for me. 
and and the fact that when I watch Ross, he can go to the right, he can go to the left, he can get on top of it. I think when he when he plays behind the ball, especially at Ibrox when I've seen him, and he plays as that kind of sitting midfielder, he backs up the game so well. And that was something that was really important in my role when I was at Rangers, that when we had teams penned in, I was always the one that if teams tried to counter on us or they tried to escape, I was always the one that sensed the danger, always the one that kept the pressure on, um, being in the right position. And, and Ross at 19, um, just turned 19, didn't he? Right. Um, is, is, is remarkable that he sees these pictures. I think it's a different picture when he plays as a two, because you then have to have an onus at trying to create stuff, which is really difficult, especially being a, a natural centre-back. But I think as he gets better and better and better, I think he can. I genuinely think he can be a huge asset for club and country. Um, another couple of Scottish boys uh, I'd like to talk about because I think they had probably their best outings for us um, were Danny Wilson, who was skipper after Bruno Alves went off, and David Bates. Um, Bates is a guy that's had a fair bit, and I've said on this show a wee bit unwarranted criticism, I think. Um, but as a defender, what, what are your thoughts on the two? That their performance, first of all, and then Bates's potential moving forward. I, I, I've seen Bates, and I've, I've probably been similar to yourself. He's, you know, he's a young boy. Boy, he's raw. He's, he's not got the qualities that Ross has got. But I have to say, I thought he was absolutely terrific, um, especially in the second half. And, and I was probably similar to similar to some other Rangers fans. Their first thought when Bruno went off that, oh no, that this potentially could be a nightmare. But fair play to the boy. Um, and if I ever had the chance to, to speak to him um, in person, I would tell him that that feeling, that belief that he gave himself and gave the fans and that burning feeling he had in his tummy should never leave him. Um, and if he defends the way he defended against playing against the so-called two best strikers in the Premier League, then in my opinion, he, he's the same as Ross. Um, I think when you're a young boy, the consistency is hard to come by. And I think when you when you are young and you potentially get in and fans have not heard of you and you've maybe not been a shining light in the development squad or whatever, because I know a lot of fans uh, you know, who watch the development squad take a big interest in, in young boys coming through, who's the next star on the on the horizon. And, and Bates was probably one that, that never got much plaudits before he eventually landed in the, in the first team. So you're, all, you're, you're almost sceptical before the boys started, which is probably unfair, but that's just the way footy is. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is that um, to put that performance in that he did, Playing against, uh, playing alongside Danny as well, who in my opinion, Danny's always been one that when he plays alongside a leader, he would always do better himself. When Danny becomes a leader and, and has to, you know, marshal uh, Bates through the game, I, I thought they'd done it terrifically well. Eh? Aye, it was, uh, it was great to see from Danny Wilson that he took the armband, but he really took the armband and took the onus and, and played with... Your, see, I would have said exactly the same. I think every Rangers fan would say the same, that Danny Wilson is great if he's got a big senior guy next to him that will coach him through it. But it was the opposite. And it, um, and it does seem that Graham Marty rates him and there's talk of a new contract. So uh, it, it could be the next stage in his career, maybe. Yes, and look, for a, for a centre-back, he is still young. Um, I think what is he 25, 26 now Danny um, which is young for a centre back you know a lot of people say you become the best that you are as a centre back when you hit your late 20s and, and your early 30s um, and it'd be fair to Danny he's, he's, he's never been explosive i.e. fast you know turning and you know he's probably quite similar to when he broke in the team at 18 mm. um, I thought I thought that the clouds were his, were his limit he could go wherever he wanted to go and he did look he went to a big club um, less a huge club to go to another big club but 
Um, he probably got lost a wee bit down the road and, and, and he never played much footy. And now that he's back playing footy and he's playing every week, I think it can only help him. Um, I think he's another one that he's never going to be the type of centre-back that, that Ranger fans are going to see blood on his jersey and, and big cuts on his forehead. And it's just not the way Danny plays. That doesn't mean to say that he's not an aggressive player and he can't stick his foot in, because he did on, on Saturday. Mm. Um, was it Saturday? It was Saturday. Was it Saturday? Was it Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> but that new year thing going on there. I lost my days. Um, so, so it's there. I just think Danny, along with a lot of the players, and, and I think the good players always have a look at themselves in the mirror and, and know themselves whether they played well or they played poorly and they know that only you know if you can give 110%. The, the fans can think that you're giving 110%. Only the player can do it. You can demand as a manager, you can demand as a coach, but the player himself has to feel that burn in his tummy and know that I've gave everything today. Even if I was poor, even if I gave the ball away, but I know one thing about fans and, and it happened to me right through my career that if you come off giving your all then the fans relate to you and they, and they look by the poor performance here and there. And I think Danny, when he starts to have that feeling and, and know that he believes in himself, that he's good enough to play week in, week out, captain the team potentially when, when Lee and Bruno are, are obviously out injured, etc., then I think he can go strength to strength. And I think if he does earn his new contract, the one thing I would say to him is the hard work starts now. Now, a, a wee bit of insight from a dressing room that, that uh, someone like yourself can offer, and obviously we as fans don't know um, what goes on behind closed doors, but in a game like that where you've got a player, um, Alfredo Morelos, who has, has played well and has been playing well, but he's missed two big chances, one in particular, what's the feeling like in the dressing room and what do you have to do with a guy in terms of maybe do you need to rebuild him or is there some anger? What, what's the reaction like? Well, look, you'd be frustrated because you never won the game and, and, and he should be frustrated as well. But the one thing I would always say about a striker when I played with one of the best boys to put the ball in the back of the net, Boydie, um, and, and we used to get frustrated with him because at times he, he never gave us much out with scoring a goal. So when he never scored a goal and, and the team underperformed or the team performed really well and Boydie missed his chances or whatever, you would get frustrated. But the one thing about having a, a proper changing room and a tight net changing room and one that will go on and become successful is, is everybody gets behind everybody. You, you don't need pals. I had lots of pals at Rangers, but I also had lots of players in the changing room that never bothered me. And I would speak to them, I'd be respectful to them. But one thing I would do was I would give them my all. And even if you had a poor game, I knew that that poor game could be me the next again week. So... I think when you when you start to get bickering and you start to blame other people and you start to have excuses that, oh, we played well, but he never put the ball in the back of the net, in my opinion, it's poison and it, it shouldn't happen. And it's a weak mentality to, to blame others. Never have excuses, never never blame other people and, and always get behind each other. And, and if you do, in my opinion, um, and it's only my small opinion, but you will create a successful changing room that when you go to the trenches and you have to when you're at Rangers the, you, the trenches come every other week because teams are hard to beat they, they, they raise their game against you and if you know that you've got 10 players behind you back in your corner then then you can fight the world This Rangers team seem to have a, a kind of strange ability to raise their games against teams that are maybe expected to do more against them. I'm talking Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts away, all those games, and, and now obviously Celtic. But they can struggle when it comes up against, with no disrespect to them, teams that they're expected to beat. Is that a mentality thing or is it a system thing? I, I think it's a mentality thing. Um, the one thing I always, I always remembered when I was there was that the big games took care of themselves. And, and why is that? 
I used to always ask myself when Bon Waller used to say that we've got Hibs away, Hearts at home, Celtic away. It's a crucial period for us. If we get nine points, we'll, we'll, you'll get another championship medal. That's that. That was the that was the the onus that he used to put on us when when the big games come calling, and he never had any fear that we would look after the big games yet. When we went away to St Mirren or we went away to Hamilton and, and you've seen a different animal and, and a different approach to, to how he tried to psych us up. Um, and, and that bled into the team, that bled into individuals that, that we knew when we were going to Falkirk and, and John Hughes had them popping around and you had Lattapes, the boy Lima in the middle of the pitch, Arfield, you know, young legs in the middle of the pitch. Um, and they popped the ball about for fun, Falkirk. We, you know, at times we, we went chasing, but the one thing is we would leave and we would win 3-1. That was that was a difference. Mm. That no matter how many times you went to Kilmarnock and you went to these type of places that were difficult places to go, it was another game for us. It was another game that we had focus on that we were going to go and win. And 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 Walter gave us that belief, that mentality. And and whether it comes to Graham or whether it comes to senior players like Kenny or whether it comes to the individuals that are there themselves. Um, you know, when I was at Rangers, I was only twenty two, twenty three. So it wasn't as if I was there when I was like thirty and this big experienced player. I had to learn really, really quickly. Um, the demands that were placed upon us and, and the older players like Baz and Davy Weirs and obviously having people like Coisties and around the place and, and obviously the, the governor and Walter then it was easy for me to transpire into knowing that I had to win every week and, and sadly no matter if it's me saying it or if it's someone else saying it or it's the fans saying it the players in that changing room the players that go to Ock and Howie every day have to have a realisation in, in, in themselves as individuals that they need to win every week and it doesn't matter how you play at times you have to win and and the sooner they realise that, the better. Absolutely. It does seem that Rangers, the moving on now to the transfer window, it does seem with the first two deals that are being done, the, the Sean Goss from QPR and uh, looks like Jamie Murphy will be announced today, that Rangers are making a conscious effort to go after British players. Uh, you may say that, that they're coming from England, but the, the same mentality. It does seem to be a kind of conscious decision from the club to go down that different route and it, it kind of reminded me of the summer uh, sorry the winter that you arrived because it had been similar that summer what do you think the the, the idea behind that is because you, you experienced something similar well, when I used to play against Paul Le Guin's team and looking Barry and that played in Paul Le Guin's team and I, I played against a player that I had that most respect for and Walter actually told me the day that I signed that, um, or leading up to when I was signing that um I was a better player than Jerry McClamont and, and if he could swap Jerry McClamont for Kevin Thompson then he, he, when did we sign and that gave me great I don't know pride and, and that feeling within myself as a player as an individual that I was a good player I, I believed that I was a good player but that really gave me an honesty thing ah, that, that, that can be what I want to be and, and when I look now back at that Paul Gwen team I thought they were really soft and, and, and maybe likes to be called soft but I still remember playing against Paul Green's team at, at Easter Road and Chris Cullen scored you would need to double check what the score was I, I'm pretty sure it was 2-1 or 2-0 and, and Barry played that game I think Barry might have got sent off um, for kicking me and they played against um, <laughs> for, I, can't, I can't mind I think Alex Ray might have played that day, that day as well but there was a, a big influx of, of foreign lads that played um, two centre-backs um, I think one might have been Rodriguez and, and the other one was the, the Svensson maybe the, right. the Swedish lad and, and and we just we just got at them and why did we get at them yeah I played against other Rangers teams where you tried to fight them and they'd fight you back yeah that team never had any fight in it and and 
I don't know if it's British because look, we've, we've like across the world we see some foreign players and, and some foreign teams right at the top that are amazing. But the sad thing is, is that the, the foreign players that Rangers were signing are not at the top. Aye. Um, that's the reality. Um, the best players in the world, aye, some of them are foreign and, and they're mouthwatering and, and they're all the players that everybody aspires to be. But in reality, Rangers haven't got £200,000 a week foreign players. Mm. So you're not getting the cream of the crop and, and boys that, that know what it takes to play for Rangers because top, top players do. It's, it's ingrained in them. It's, it's a mentality that, they, that they're born with or they, they inherit or they, they, they try and find a way of being the best they can be. And in my opinion, a British team, a good British influx with Graham Dorans, um, Ross McCrory, um, Danny Wilson, Wes Thorne, I think Wes is a really good goalkeeper. Um, and then you start to go through the team and you get Jamie Murphy, you've got Kenny, I know Kenny's obviously out injured, etc. But all of a sudden you've got a British base feel to the team. And I, in my opinion, I'm not saying the Rangers are going to win the league and everything's just going to turn just because they sign a few British players, but I certainly think it's a good step in the right direction. Yeah, it helps with the, the, the mentality. Because uh, you, you speak, you've spoken about that a lot, and I think it's something that Rangers fans agree with, that it, we're not going to change. So the, the expectation level isn't going to change. So the players coming in have got to be aware of it. And maybe, I mean, you, you're obviously a Hibs fan growing up, um, and although you, you weren't there, you knew the mentality that was needed, you knew the expectations, there was no settling in period with regards to that, you knew they're going to be on at me and I've got to deliver pretty quickly. Aye, that was a, it was a big wake-up call for me. Um, and I, I said to you before, I don't know if I'd done it in the last podcast or I'd done it in a question and answer, when, I, when, when I'd signed there, although I had a difficult period the last three or four months, uh, sorry, the last three or four weeks under John Collins, um, I used to take a lot of pressure within, within myself being a club captain, one of the youngest club captains at Hibs, a boyhood fan, and, and it really hurt me when we got beat every week. It hurt my dad, it hurt my pals, um, and I was probably one of the players in that change room that being a boyhood fan, it hurt probably that tiny wee bit more. And that's just the reality because you're a fan. When I then went to Rangers, the expectation level just maximised like I'd never believed that it was possible. And and I thought I'd done all right for the first five or six months, and I still remember going to see the boss. And I don't know if I, I don't I think I don't know if you've heard this or you know. And he said to me, "How doing?" And I says, "Good, Catherine." I was, I was a wee bit worried, a wee bit panicky, like <laughs> meeting with the boss. And he said to me, um, "How do you think you've been doing?" And I says, "I think I've been doing all right. I, I think I'm enjoying it. I've been playing all right, and um, we've been training hard, working hard." I says, "I says I'm loving it." And he said, uh, "Son, see, doing all right." It's not fucking good enough, <laughs> and, that, and that and that and that was me. That was that 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 was the biggest kick in the teeth that I'd probably had in my young career. That being all right and being all right is not good enough at Rangers. So I had to change, and and I changed very quickly. That if I thought I was working hard, I worked harder. If I thought I was doing all right, I wanted to do better. And and that mindset, in my opinion, is something you've either got and you embrace, or you fail. Well, uh, at the at the live show, actually, I should point out that Kev turned up wearing a cardigan, and uh, <laughs> one of the one of the, brown the yep, and one of the first things you to do, you mentioned Walter. Somebody went, "Who your da?" Which, uh, which, uh, I used to get a lot. Of, I used to get a lot of stick off the lads for that. Uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was Walter's boy, and Coisty used to give me a hard time for it. Um, <laughs> but look, uh, that was the way Walter was. It didn't matter if you were Davy and you were thirty six, thirty seven when I played with Davy, or you were. You were kind of like the younger generation, your Huttons, Marcells, Whitties, Maisies, Boydies, kind of the kind of young young pretenders coming through. Um, he, he treated us all the same, and and it didn't matter if if Davy had a kick up the backside or it was me. 
Um, he just knew the right way to do it, yeah. um, and that's that. That look, that's why he was the best. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> it's too painful. Too painful to listen to. Um, well, speaking of that, it seems a perfect uh, perfect point then to move on. Uh, big year for you last year, 2017, with the start of the coaching school, and uh, things seem to be progressing pretty well. So, first of all, let's have a wee chat about that, and then we'll talk more about your, your kind of coaching ambitions. First of all, how's the, how's the school going? Oh, look, it's going great, and it's. I, I genuinely, I mean this, and you know what I'm like now. You've met me a few times when we've spoken. I mean this for the bottom of my heart. I'm, I'm humble with the fact that it's went so well. And, and when I started it, I wanted it to do well. Of course, I did, but I never ever envisioned that it would do as well as it has. And the biggest bit of pride that I have is the fact that any kid, any ability, um, any age, starting from five and um, right up to, to to men to adults, can come. They can enjoy a session, they feel like they're learning, they feel like they're improving, they work really hard and they go away with a smile on their face, happy that they've um, paid a premium that in my opinion I think is fair, I think it's value for money, I've tried my very best to, to be right down the bottom of the fee and, and how much I charge and the biggest passion for me is if I could do it for nothing I would, but I give up seven days a week sometimes, um, near enough every week, I give up my family, I give up bath times, I give up. You know, all the things that as a player through my career I had the luxury and the privilege to be able to do with my own kids because I'm really passionate about what I do and, and the first 13, 14 months that I've done it, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, the, the fact that it's grown and grown and grown and it's, it's been received the way it's been received is, is, it just makes me really proud of Talking a wee bit then about, it's become a big word in the last few years which is philosophy and it I think it intrigues a lot of us as as fans. Is it important for a young coach to have a coaching philosophy or is it more important to just be pragmatic and look at what you've got in front of you and try and work off that? Well, it's, a, it's funny that someone, uh, someone messaged me on social media this morning saying um, he's a young coach and he follows, I think he might be a Rangers fan, um, a lad, and he um, he asked me that he was he was a young coach and he was he was trying to learn and he, he'd been pico- picking people's brains and and trying to think his sessions and, and different strategies etc. And the one thing that he had asked a lot of people was, um, "What does philosophy mean to you? Um, and what is your philosophy?" If I had the time, would I mind answering? And, and I, I messaged him back saying, "I guarantee that Nate is giving you this answer." Dot 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 dot. And then I gave him an answer what my philosophy is. And my philosophy in life is. To work hard, to be respectful, to try and be the best you can be and leave no stone unturned and, and see the day that I get a job or I get an opportunity to, to work at the academy or, or to work at Rangers or work, wherever I get an opportunity to work is that no matter what age I get and, and what opportunity I get, I'll tell all my players that philosophy is when it comes to, to senior football is about winning. Philosophy when it come when it when it's when you're young is about trying to be the best you can be, reach the ceiling, reach wherever your maximum potential is, try and get there. Then you'd be one of the eighteen, nineteen year olds that had the world at their feet and, and you're working in a chip shop or you're driving a taxi or and that's made disrespect to, to no, chip no, shop workers or taxi drivers. But, uh, be the best you can be. And and, and and one thing in my opinion that that I try and think with my life on is that I never blame anyone else but myself. I had real bad luck in my career. I never wanted anyone to feel sorry for me. I just wanted to be the best I could be. And I do believe that my injuries never allowed me to get to that ceiling. But I also believe that 
when I now pass on my, my knowledge and, and, and my opinions on the next generations and the next people, my philosophy in my academy is work hard, be respectful, come and want to learn and try and be the best you can be. I think that, that one of the things that, that surprised me when, when I talked to you about it was that the fact that you're still only, and don't test it wrong way, I don't think you're an ancient guy, right? but you're still only 33. And, um, you know, if you're a fuck, you should still be playing for us. But, I, think um, I, thought, I think if I had four weeks pre season, I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the first half of this season, eh? um, we, we, we could have done with you. But um, now one of the things, I, and I, I've got this noted down because I do want to talk to you about this, I've seen you talk about this uh, quite a lot and uh, it will be an issue to a lot of young coaches who will be listening to this show today um, at different levels, is facilities in Scotland. And I know it's something that you've spoken about and it's something that, that you feel quite passionately about. Um are we doing enough in this country to help? Because we, we, we moan all the time about, you know, we're not qualifying for World Cups, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, our team's only doing what they, they want Europe, we're not bringing through youngsters. And then you're out there at the coalface trying to improve, as you say, kids as, as young as five and six. Um, are we doing enough in this country in terms of providing facilities? No, no I'd, I'd look, uh, the, the biggest problem for me in running my academy is facilities. Um, the coaching's easy. The kids that want to come along and learn are, are easy. Um, it doesn't matter to me whether I've got 100 kids a week or whether I've got a quiet week and I've only got 50, 60. It's irrelevant to me because I didn't look and think, oh, no, I've not had a good week. I've only made X amount of pounds and I've done this. The numbers are irrelevant to me. My wife spends it anyway. So Fair point. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I wish I got a chance to spend <laughs> somewhere. But look, and that's, that's just tongue-in-cheek. I, I genuinely believe that... that where I've come through in my academy, what I've, the hoops that I've had to jump through to try and create what I create has been unbelievable what I've had to go through. And bear in mind that being a professional my whole career, I've never had to worry about a picture or paying 40 quid an hour for an asset or, or you're in peak time and you're in bloody weekend time and you need to pay for the Janney, you need to pay for this. And, and all these wee things that are now um, fundamental in trying to grow my academy I can't tell you how hard it is to, to try and create something that genuinely does have the passion behind it and, and in my opinion, the quality of my product to try and make kids better. Um, the help that I've received, apart from a, a wonderful gesture as a sponsor, the people that have done my, my hair transplant, he now sponsors my academy exclusive and he gives me a couple of quid which allows me to um, pay that wee bit extra premium for facilities to allow me to do my sessions, to, to pay my staff a wee bit more money. Um, Basically, it was a favour after a favour after a favour after a favour, which is which is incredible, really, when you think that as a as a country, um, we we spent what thirty five forty million pounds on on the Orion, um, and and unless you've got deep pockets, you you, you cannot you can't afford to to hire it. Um, and it is a great facility; it's, it's unbelievable. But in reality, surely forty forty pitches at a million pound a piece would have been far more beneficial than than than, than a big fancy roof. Mm. Absolutely. Um, speaking of which, actually, um, Scotland, of course, so there's going to be another major tournament kicking off in the summer. Scotland aren't going to be at it. Um, are we getting to the stage? That's 20 years. And I remember the last time we saw Scotland in the World Cup was, was 20 years ago. And if you'd said then this will be the last one, you know, we can't even put an end date on it at this point. It would have seemed incredible back then. Uh, what kind of steps do the national team need to take? to try and, and get themselves into a position with qualification? Because we've seen countries like Northern Ireland and Wales get to tournaments. Well, it's, look, it's a, it's a big frustration. I, 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 I mean this for the ball. I love food. I, I eat 
breathe, sleep it. I, I think it every day. Obviously, more so my academy now that obviously that's what I've got. But at the senior game, the, the grassroots, the, the pro academies, you know, I'm always thinking, I'm always sitting on my sofa coming up with different ideas of how we could try and make things better. And, and, and see, the sad reality, in my opinion, is that these things are long term. Their longevity, whether it was me, whether it was whether it was Walter, whether it was whether it was someone else that's far better than me, gets an opportunity to try and change things. They, they can't change overnight. The, 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 the bad thing, in my opinion, is that the longevity of these jobs. That if you do it wrong for ten years, we've lost ten years. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's about get it's about getting it right. And how do you get it right? You, in my opinion, the system has to change because whatever we've been doing for the, the last 20 years, like you say, and bear in mind, you think of some of the Scottish players that we've had, Barry Ferguson, one of the best Scottish players um, that, we've, that we've probably seen, especially in my era. Um, and he, he, I think he just, just fell short of 50 caps for Scotland, but he could have got 50 easy if he wanted them. Um, and he could have prolonged his career. And, and he, he never got an opportunity in his prime to play to play at a majors. It's, it's mad. Um, and are we going to see other Barry Ferguson's coming off the conveyor belt? The likelihood is probably no. But it's going to be a long time before you find players as good as him. So how is our game going to get better if, if boys like him never succeeded in the system? Um, he succeeded personally at club level because he had a brilliant career, but, but internationally, he never. Eh? Mm. Um, and and the, the, the big thing for me is that Project Brave and and the stuff he can do, let's make the best coaches better and, and, and the best players better. And Matt, what about the rest? Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm the same as my man. I can walk around the pitch on a Saturday morning and say, oh, that wee lad is a good wee player. But also, from my own naked eye, now know that some of the best players in my academy 13 months ago, when I first started, aren't they the best players in my academy now? Yeah, because they all develop so, at different rates. Of course they do. Of course they do. They, 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 and and some kids can pick up things really quickly and learn really quickly, and other ones take time. And and it's the same at any level. Um, I do believe that you have got a gift and you've got natural talent, and 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 the the idea as a young coach, as any coach, is to try and maximise that talent. The maximised and talent also has to come for the individual. And I have kids that come to my classes and at times they can muck around. I go to become a guest coach and at times they muck around. It's just the way it is. And and in my opinion, that's just people don't, ah, that's grassroots, it's community clubs, it's this, it's that. It's no. That's right across the board. That's right up to, I've seen it in myself at youth team level at professional clubs. At the best professional clubs I've been at, kids didn't give themselves the best opportunity to maximise their talent because they didn't work hard enough. And we have to find a system that maximises these kids to be the best they can possibly be and give them a realisation of what it really takes to get to the top. And in my opinion, there's not enough people in the system that know what it takes. Well, 2018, here we are, starting a new year and everything. Now, you're one of the most driven guys that, that I've ever met. Uh, and I've, I'm talking in any business and I've worked with a lot of guys um, in my business career that, that absolutely um, were, you know, eat, eat, breathe and sleep at work. And you're exactly the same as, as that. What what's the the plan for you and you know the short term and and where do you hope to be kicking into twenty nineteen? I I just look it's uh, it's becoming my my kind of quote. I, I want to be the best I can be. I I started as a young coach. I knew this bridge was coming one day when I was playing. The last two or three years of my career, I was I was treading water really. Um, I never had the spark that I had um, in my legs. I had it in my belly. I've I've still got it in my belly now, but. I, I knew that the performances that I was putting in, the, the problems that I was having with my legs, was this, this bridge was coming, so I planned for it. 
and, and I started to watch footy, I started to change my mindset a wee bit when I was listening to managers, when I was watching training, when I was seeing um, the way boys act in different changing rooms. Going to Dundee was a real good good eye-opener for me in my career, um, seeing how different players at different levels um, react to, to windy weather outside, to to having to go on a bus to training and, and the pitch being soft and, and the session being poor and, and seeing what I never ever heard one player complain about the wind when I was at Murray Park. <laughs> never. <laughs> never. And and, and and I did actually hear a player on international level complain that it was too hot when I went to Macedonia with Gordon Strachan and Gordon Strachan overheard the player saying that it was hot. too hot and he said, see if it's too fucking hot. Get a plane home and you can fuck off because you know what I need. And he didn't. He didn't actually single the player out because the player was playing. Um, and I'm not name the player, but I was there at 28, pulled into the squad. I hadn't been in the squad for a few years. Was back at Hibs under Pat Fenlon, and 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 these wee things are all the wee snippets. Like that, that was what five years ago, mm-hmm. six years ago, nearly. I still remember it like it was yesterday. That's that. That's me as a person. I I, I tried to fill my brain with as much information as I possibly can to give myself the best opportunity to get into the top of being a young manager, young coach and where that ends up being I don't know, I'm just excited to, to try and give my best to get to where I want to get to So Kev, um, I just always come in at one of these conversations with you I, I want to go and run up hills and kick people <laughs> uh, and our listeners, our listeners will be the same so where can they get in touch and where can they I mean as you've mentioned not only can they bring their kids along but they can come along as well how's, how's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well look I never set the business up as, a, as obviously a money making scheme I never and so I, when adults do book in I, I say to them that look I'm quite happy to give you some advice to how to get fitter what to do, etc. Rather than you know waste your money to come to me for one session, I have had plenty of adults in, and um, it's the same. Obviously, the academy was designed to, to obviously try and get kids to become better at footy um, at all different levels, all different abilities. Um, but look, anyone's welcome, and and I now I'm really proud that people sit in the car for an hour and a half, right up to two hours, to travel all the way to Edinburgh to get sessions off me, which is which is brilliant. Um, it's a great appreciation of the back and the parents give their kids. Um, we're trying to give them an opportunity to be the best they can be, and um, if you obviously I've had lots of um, people trying to get me a website etc up and running, but I'm quite happy to coach at the back of my car, coach on a grassroots pitch, and um, and you can find us obviously at Facebook and obviously on Twitter at social media. So um, give us a follow, give us some feedback, any feedback, any advice, any um, any support is always appreciated, and and, and onwards and upwards. So thanks very much to Kev for joining us. Uh, he's always a great listen, I think, and uh, yeah, I admit it, I'm a huge, huge Kevin Thompson fan, both of them as a player, but also uh, in his, his career afterwards. You just There's some guys you just know are going to be a success in life, whatever they choose to do, and he's one of those guys. He, he's, he's so driven, and he's got such a great attitude about everything he does that I just can't see how anything is going to hold him back to be honest and uh, I, I love that he's he's so open to come on and, and talk to us here and talk to the fans of course he's done a live show with us and he'll be doing another one soon we'll be coming to the east coast we're coming to Dunfermline and we'll announce ticket details of that soon uh, so if you want to see Kevin Thompson as a heart and hand panellist and uh, trust me he, he can make us look a wee bit like shrinking violets at times then uh, if you're on the east coast or you can make it out to Dunfermline then please do as I say we'll, we'll have that soon. 
In other news about Heart and Hand, if you are interested in our subscription service, and thankfully so many of you have been already, we're up to 1,750 subscribers already, then please go and visit us at www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Heart and Hand, and there you'll find uh, a whole litany of shows. There was over 25 hours of shows were put up in the first month, and there's all sorts. There's a daily update in which we look at news, rumours, transfers, etc. There are breaking news shows for any major occurrences. There are historical shows. Uh, We have our Advocate Years series, which is becoming very popular. A new edition of it has just dropped out this week where we look at, and we really do look at, the Dick Advocate Years forensically. We're on episode four, and we are up to the end of uh, September of of Dick's first season and all the matches played, so, so that should tell you how much detail we go into that. We have uh, at Rangers Bet from Twitter, Jack Shaw. He gives you a Rangers-related bet every week in a hilarious show which looks at the careers of former Rangers. He did Joey Barton this week. It's very, very much worth hearing. Uh, we also started a show called The Millennial Bears where two young guys who grew up in the 2000s will look back on major events that happened to Rangers in that decade. So there, there really is something for everyone on there. We'll be bringing you phone-ins and there's loads of Q&As and stuff happening there. It's really good. It's one ninety nine per month or three ninety nine for the full lot. You get more content, uh, more content with the, the higher tier, obviously, but the 199 still guarantees you a hell of a lot of content. And if you're the type of person who, like me, listens to podcasts when they're walking the dog, when they're at work, you know, if you've desk job or whatever, or even just for a commute, this is, I think, a really, really good site for you because if you like listening to Rangers, if you like me, your first thought in the morning is, oh God, it's morning have Rangers signed anyone, then I think you'll enjoy this show. So that's that's my wee plug-in for that. If you want to get in touch with me, I'm at iBroxRocks on Twitter. Please give Kevin a follow if you haven't already. He's at K Thompson Academy on Twitter and uh, go and support him and all the work that he does. And uh, then in a few years when uh, he reaches the level of career that he, that he thinks and, and I know he's going to reach, uh, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I backed him back when. And uh, be smug to your mates in the pub. I'd just like to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, and to thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Thursday with Heart and Hand Extra. Take care. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.